Hello and welcome to Shoot the Piano Player, a French New Wave podcast. I am your host Spencer and uh, J-Dog couldn't make it for this one. Um, he has to work and pay bills, you know, like a boring adult has to do. But um, this will be the New Year's episode. I started these last year kind of as, a, as an excuse to cover something that I really love or something I want to talk about that I noticed no one really talks about. So this New Year's episode is, um, well, I my French isn't isn't particularly good, so I'll have the guests say the French title. Oh boy, well, uh, Je m'appelle Heather Drain, and we are talking about L'Amour Brock, André uh, Julowski's 1985 film. I'm sure anybody that's actually fluent in French is going to be coming for me so hard. <laughs> In the comments, please be kind. Uh, I'm I'm merely a product of a regular American education, so it's not my fault. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I am the same. Uh, actually, uh, I'm not sure if I brought up this season yet, but I've been learning French on Duolingo for uh, specifically for the season because it'd be French movies, and I figure if I know some French, I'll be able to pick up a few more things. Oh, that's awesome. No, I've I've always I love learning other languages and I've actually I took French in high school. I took uh, a year and a half of German in college and I took a semester of Russian hmm. uh, also in college. And I anytime we get up to the grammar, my brain just, you know, I kind of think in the US they should really start us off when we're little. Because I know people who like got to live in other countries when they were younger and their brains, even if they're not like totally fluent, like they can still pick stuff up, even if they haven't been in that said country for like years. Like my stepdad actually can speak like some Korean because his family lived in South Korea when he was little. Huh. Like, so, but, uh, um, yes. we're learning Spanish at their school and like at, at like seven, they could speak better Spanish than I could when I was in high school. Yeah, there's just something when your brain is still developing at that young age, it's kind of the prime time to be that sponge and pick up different ways, you know, of, of using a language. But um, so, uh, but you know what, we are both trying. <laughs> and I think, I think that's the best we can do. And there's nothing wrong with that. So <laughs> yes, and I'm so excited to be talking about Zulowski with you, especially this particular film. Yeah, um, there was another Zulowski that I have a copy of that I don't think has had a, re a release outside of Europe for a while um, that I found on a certain website that won't be easy to find, so I kind of scrapped that. So I was kind of like, oh, this is like the first U.S. release kind of in some time, so it's like, oh, this is perfect. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping it's it's going to start a trend of seeing more of his films uh get that kind of release over here because uh, he's such a special director and there's really nobody like him i mean he's a true blue auteur uh and some of his films i i got really 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 lucky and got to uh go to new york city back in 2016 when the lincoln uh, uh when the lincoln center had a julaki julaski retrospective and he was actually supposed to attend it and he died right before the oh. event 
um yeah so it was heavy but um but that was uh that trip was amazing and i got to see on the silver globe on the big screen and that's really the big dog that's the one i just would love to see get that blu-ray remaster just all of the all of that love because it's it's one his stuff you really need to have that treatment for it like i think there's some films that you know i mean of course everything should be restored and preserved 100 percent. but there are some films where if you see them and not the best quality it doesn't really hinder it like i, I love the movie pieces mm-hmm. and you know for years i just had a really kind of crappy bootleg that looked like it had been found in a latrine but that film is so insane and grimy <laughs> that it just kind of lent to it in a way yeah <laughs> so it's like so uh but Zulowski's the guy. I mean, he's like Khodorovsky and Argento. and guy. These are filmmakers you want to see the best possible presentation yeah, and, uh, of their work. Yeah, uh, as of this recording, a few hours ago, I released the Possession episode. And that's one that... Um, that that's, that that's the big one, obviously, because it's in English. And... Uh, it seems to be the one that's easiest to get hold of, either illegally or legally, depending on you know where you live and all that stuff. Oh yeah, and that one seems to have had the most uh, sort of crossover. Like I know, like I mean, it's even been referenced in you know music videos. Uh, you know, I remember there was a, a an industrial band in the late '80s actually that sampled uh, that that kind of guttural sort of yelling that Isabella Johnny does when she's having like the miscarriage and the tunnel scene. Uh, yeah. So it's, that one definitely seems to make a huge impact. And you know, if, if you've seen it, you understand it cause it's, it's great, but there are so many other Zulowski films that are just, you know, and I haven't even seen everything in his filmography, but everything I have seen has just all equally wowed me in different ways. I've only seen, uh, is it called De- the devil or devils the first one? Oh, oh the devil oh that one's excellent i love the devil that was my first Zulowski. Oh, yeah i found that one on the internet somewhere and i don't know if it's still available in the place where i found it but uh, i don't think it's had a big release really outside of europe ever and so i've seen that the the what is it that most important thing love the title mm, I, I always yes. forget it's so clunky it's great but it's like that title translating english just doesn't really work no but man yeah that one's so great and just i mean come on klaus kinski and romy <laughs> schneider yes please that's <laughs> those two possession and um this one and uh, there are some there are a few that i've been on the fence about with should I order like the the forty fifty dollar import DVD off of uh, eBay? And some and lately I've been like I I don't think I can spend that money I, if I can make an excuse for myself to spend that money on that. No, no, that's the uh, that's always the plight of being like for a lot of us film lovers. It's just uh, you know you see like people getting all these big hauls of stuff and it's like man like i feel like at this point there's so much great stuff coming out which is awesome like that's a happy problem but it's also kind of like 
like Jesus, like do I need to start selling some kidneys to the black market or something? Yeah. <laughs> start being able to afford some of the stuff. But um yeah. But hopefully with Kino Lorber releasing this film on Blu-ray, because um, Kino's a pretty I mean they're a boutique label, but they're a boutique label that's got a, a lot of respect and a lot of catalog, certainly. Yeah, Kino um, for me wins wins out over everyone else because they did a line on African films. It didn't last very long, but they are like the only ones who made seem to make an effort. And I have as many. I have a bunch of African films on DVD. I have as many as I possibly can because uh, Criterion other ones don't seem to care at this point. Even though the Criterion could easily, they have the resources, obviously, but they don't seem to really go into Africa very much. But Kino did for a brief time. And no one else really has done that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's wonderful. Yeah, Kino certainly I think has such a, a diverse catalog too, because it's like I just think about it, the Kino discs I have, and this includes everything from like Emmanuel to uh, its Pat, which <laughs> I which is so weird that they released its Pat. I, I I remember when I got it, I was like Kino Lorber, and because. Uh, you know, like side note, that's a uh, part of my research. I, I'm doing an ongoing series about the work of Charles Rocket, like the actor, and he he has a pretty big role in that movie. And so when I got it for research, I was like, "Holy shit, Kino Lorber!" <laughs> Just it's crazy. But yeah, so bless them for doing this. And certainly, um, if we're talking about getting Zulowski's work preserved and out there, I mean, Daniel Bird has been like the big guy behind that. And Daniel was the guy behind the, the New York event, too. Mm-hmm. And he's done a lot of work on getting everything restored and just putting a lot of love into stuff so definitely a little shout out to daniel uh and he's also a really nice guy on top of being a, a film preservation badass <laughs> yeah. right. so um, I mean, as you can tell i'm not super structured or seems to really i don't really care about being super focused so um Oh, that that's perfect. I I I'm a circular thinker anyway, so that's <laughs> I can I can work with that. Um, well, what like when you first saw Lamar Brock, like what was your first like gut reaction? What was your first takeaway? Because that there's a lot going on in that movie. Well, uh, I think I pre-ordered it because um, uh, uh, I first heard of because well, going back to like five has been five years that's that's insane um when i first discovered dars of darkness podcast with sam and cat and that introduced me in oh, this yeah. chain to like so many movies and changed my perspective on movies and i told sam that when she was on which kind of embarrassed her but like that, that show changed like this how i wrote about and discussed and like thought of like cinema as a whole which is a pretentious thing to say but like that it, it changed everything for me and so they oh man that's that's beautiful yeah so they did their Zulowski series and, and and so I, it was like always on my radar of like well one of these days I'll watch these and I heard and my, my, my main memory was it's like the idiot but like not uh, but not like uh, not a, a literal uh, translation because I did a Kurosawa season and we did, he did a version of idiot that is very faithful to the book to the point that the first cut is five hours and half of it is basically gone forever because the studio 
uh, was like, we're not going to release a five-hour movie. And that was his big mm-hmm. um, <laughs> his big thing, because Rashomon was a, was a huge splash, and he like, got the chance to make whatever he wanted, so he made a five-hour movie of The Idiot that is uh, unfortunately not, not complete and never will be. Well, I'm trying to say never will be. It could still, they could still exist, but it's, you know, it's been over, it's been like 70, almost 70 years at this point. But, um, oh. yeah, and so. God, that's sad. Yeah. Poor, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> anytime studio, you just say the word studio interference and you know something really stupid's about to happen. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to art that, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, full transparency, yeah. I have read like Dostoevsky, I've actually studied Russian literature in college, but for some reason, I never got around to reading *The Idiot*. Um, I do, I do know about it, and I read up a little bit on it after watching *Lamar Brock* to kind of see, you know, how the two uh, sort of cross-pollinated. Yeah, and um, so if you're wondering, uh, the Chucky Cario character is the um, Toshiro analog, because. Well, who else would he be in an idiot? Oh my god. That's oh yes. <laughs> that's such perfect <laughs> casting. And Checky is so oh my god. And anybody listening to to this, because um, you know the thing about that really is fascinating about Lamore Brock is um the way that it's the way that the plot like if you break the plot down the plot of the film is very simple and even if you look it up online you know it's just like oh it's a love triangle and it's you know and there's gangsters and it's tragic but this is such a case for you know that does that does no justice to like the experience and that's the thing i feel like everything i've seen of Shulowski's is an experience you are just he immediately will immerse you in whatever he's creating from like the opening frame like everything there's always movement like the camera's always moving people are always moving there's never really i don't think there's a sense of stillness ever and at least in you know i haven't seen everything but all of the films i've seen um even in quiet moments there's something going on it's like a it's like being in the nervous inside a nervous system of a piece of art yeah Yeah. and uh, going back to my first reaction to it this is the second time I watched it, and my first reaction was, I can't follow. I, I can't follow even the basic plot. It's just exhaustingly wonderful. And second time through, <laughs> it was clearer and easier to follow. I was like, okay, so they're trying to kill the four brothers that um, uh, killed her mom. Okay, that now now it makes sense. But the first time through, it was just a blast of like just like you know like of energy that that i could not make sense of but not not in a bad way like, i love that it was just this insane like sensory experience of music and like movement and emotion and everything else oh God. no that's so beautifully put yeah yeah no my, my first reaction was just complete like it, it was like a roller coaster of like you know, because the opening scene where you see the bank robbers, they're wearing like these <laughs> Disney masks. And, you know, the one with the, which of course Mickey is the one wearing the Mickey mouse one, does like a little sort of knowing, almost like a little shuffle <laughs> before they grab, like, like there's like semi automatic weapons. And, and so you have like these little bits of kind of like almost whimsy, 
but then it's just mixed with like a lot of just violence and everything like the emotions uh is heightened on such a level like i i hope i hope this makes sense when i make this comparison but it almost reminds me of how like andy milligan would try to direct his actors Hmm. And some of his films were, um, like, I'm thinking particularly, like, any of his mother characters, like, in, like, say, Seeds, where there's just, it's almost like everything's a fever pitch. Like, there is no, like, calm before the storm. We are in the storm. Life is the storm. She is the storm. He is the storm. We are all the storm. (laughs) It's just like, and it's, I mean, and that element, I think, is in all of his stuff, but I feel like Lamar Brock was the most yelliest. Uh, certainly, but in, in a, and like you said, in the most wonderful way, because it's absolutely captivating and it's sort of almost, um, to me, it's kind of like the approach to it is, you know, unlike, you know, like Mill and I love Andy Milligan, but you know, there's a time and place for Andy and they are, these are two completely, they're not even the same solar system filmmakers. They're both great, but wildly different, which Dulowski, it's almost like, to me, it's kind of like when you make a, like, say you're going to make a biopic, hmm. Of, of somebody, of a historical figure, an artist. And instead of opting for a linear timeline of this is when they were born, this is who they married, this is how many kids, whatever, you go instead for almost something that's, a, that's non-linear, but you're capturing the feel of what it's like to be in that person's head, like their experiences, like an atmosphere, an emotional vibe. Um, like Kinski did that with Paganini, which was like the only film he directed. And it's it's a really fascinating film because he takes that approach. And I kind of feel like Zulowski with Lamar Brock, the way the actors are directed, it's every, all of their movements, their emotions is like, it's playing out the raw, the most raw feeling that they're going through. Like it's, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, I don't think you, I, it's hard to think of any film I mean, there really is no film quite like this, unless it's another Zulowski movie, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm thinking this time it's like um, it's kind of like Blue Velvet, but Blue Velvet was amplified and a lot more uh, like loud in every aspect. Oh God, yeah. If if Blue Velvet was on ketamine and crystal meth, <laughs> yeah. I think maybe Lynch yeah, <laughs> always has that like meditative quality. And this is like taking this, taking like the like a Lynch, like like I could see this as a David Lynch movie potentially, but like if you remove the chaos and have it be more um, just as just as emotional, but more slower paced and more meditative and just more uh, uh, dreamy. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's I mean, God, I love I love Blue Velvet too. Those are two of my favorite movies right there. Uh, yeah, and. The thing, there's such an intelligence going on, too, because, um, like, you know, for any of the listeners, if you guys haven't seen it, um, which please do, because it is a rewarding experience. You know, the, the basically the triangle is Mickey, you know, who is this gangster, and he's in love with Mary, who it's some variations is called Marie, because um, played by Sophie Marceau, and he's trying to buy her love and kill off this, these four gangsters called the Venoms that basically you find out not only have they been using her as a prostitute since she was basically 13 14 but they murdered her mother and you know so he's trying to do all this to get to earn her love and he 
instantly bonds with this uh, this guy named Leo or Leon, and who's you know this immigrant on a train, and but they just instantly have this chemistry. And Leon is our titular, uh, well, not for this film, but he's basically the Prince Mishkin character of the idiot, the titular idiot. And they, they even call him a uh, Prince in in this as a nickname. They do. They also call him an idiot, which seems so rude, yeah. but. <laughs> But it, but you get it, um, and of course with the Dostoevsky, the whole thing of the idiot—it's not that Michigan's an actual idiot. It's just you know, we live and the world isn't. Yeah, you know, the world has changed a lot of ways, but the basics of humanity are always kind of the same. In that you know, society sometimes will view people that you know are just kind of good, are good-hearted and, and open to sort of the wonders of the world, the magic of the world. Like, they haven't been fully corrupted by living a status quo life, by being fully jaded and cynical and, you know, living this, how you're supposed to live your life. You know, people that fit outside that box sometimes get viewed uh, as simpletons. Or, you know, if uh, for all you 70s rock fans out there, Super Tramp's a logical song totally encapsulates that. And I'm, I'm not saying that snarky because actually um, I don't care if this less, lessens my punk cred. I love Super Tramp. But anywho, um, but, you know, it, it's going into that. And uh, Leon falls in love with her as soon as they meet. And obviously there's there's a conflict, but it's just it's kind of simplifying it because this movie is just so it's so crazy yeah. it's really yeah, um, you, you could much much well first i want I, I want your opinion on this aspect do you consider the the story at the original like uh, story or as a whole to be um magical realism because the thing with the idiot character in every version i've seen is that he like he can cut through people's like this mental defenses de defenses and like and and they are just can be genuinely real with them in a way like uh like because like the like uh, there are so many chances where leon can just could, could have been killed by one of the gangsters but every time the gangsters are like are like you're different and, and i can't do that to you and like in the no. cursor version <laughs> it's the same thing of like the idiot is like so many so many chances for him to just get uh ruined emotionally or physically and people are like no i can't hurt you you're you're too you're too you're too special i can't do that yeah no it's it is almost to like a supernatural level of how much like leon is accepted i mean especially because i mean when you when you're first introduced to these gangsters i mean they are like a bunch of like hyenas like i mean at one point mickey does a somersault like what like what is, and then he punches a guy i mean it's crazy and um so much joking around and yelling and in fact i kind of find uh in a lot of ways everybody in, in this film kind of acts there's almost like a childishness not that anybody's childlike i wouldn't say that but there's almost a childishness to like you know it's, it's sort of like when you're little and you feel your emotions 100 percent because you're too you're too young to have, you know, you get older and it's like you have to hide your feelings. You have to hide your emotions. You have to keep things in and buttoned up. And sometimes that's not a bad thing. But, you know, like people are constantly drooling in this movie. There's a lot of spittle. Um, and just, I don't know. I mean, it's not childlike, but there's almost sort of, 
just sort of like these lost souls. I mean, in this in this world, and in, in this world just surrounded by corruption. I mean, it's just you know, no matter what the gangsters, what Mickey and his crew do. I mean, you know, the guys he's taking out. I mean, are clearly horrible, horrible human beings. And you know, I mean, not that bank robbery is great, but you know. Like they don't even. I don't think they even kill anybody in that bank. Uh, they just throw around a bunch of smoke bombs. No, like they're they're, they're, they're basically just dancing around the whole time, and like having the mo- having the most fun time while they're <laughs> robbing the bank. Oh my god! The the guy in the duck mask literally like quacks. He does a quacky voice, not like Lucio Fulci's New York Ripper voice, but that would be amazing. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I mean, there's like this total sense of fun, and. Despite, I mean, granted, you probably won't want to be in a train car with any of these guys, um, but there is like a sense of fun, and 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 Checky is so, I mean, to me, he kind of steals this movie. Like, it's a tie for me between him and Sophie Marceau because she's, and God, she was only nineteen. Yeah, were they when they did was this she movie? Already, like, holy, was she already dating um, uh, Zulowski by this point? I think they 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 started dating on the set of this movie, um, which uh, may sound you know some it might sound untowards to some listeners, but keep in mind they stayed together for over twenty years. Yeah, they even had a kid together, and they had a kid together. They made you know more movies after this, and he kind of um, and this is something I know Sam and Cat touched upon, which definitely everybody check that those episodes out because they're great and. Um, and they actually read all of Dostoevsky, <laughs> unlike myself, but, uh, I do love what I've read of Dostoevsky, but, um, that, uh, you know, cause before, before Zulowski, she had kind of like the first film she did was a, a film called uh, La Boom in 1980, which is, I think translates to the party and it's like a teenage film and it was huge success. So she was kind of, you know, basically like this teen star in France doing kind of what movies teen stars do and Zulowski I think definitely like working with him and, and doing this film kind of probably more likely helped push her in more of the art film direction um so and she's amazing like she especially knowing how young she was here her intuition as an actor uh it's great just the way that she just looks at everything around her you can you you know this character is so wounded and and even the way she cries that's again to me kind of like the childish thing because she kind of she kind of does that sniffle sort of shake thing that you know that you kind of see like toddlers do like i remember actively crying like that when i was little like that you're almost trying to breathe you're like trying to hold back your sobs and your halt you know and you're having a hard time breathing that kind of sobbing yeah. like she does that and um and the thing is like with the intelligence of this character of mary uh that Zulowski does is that i think a lesser filmmaker would just have her be like oh she's this beautiful troubled young woman who's been a prostitute and she's very sexy and dangerous and here like she displays signs of somebody who's been traumaed like there's active trauma going on that she's processing like when she like when she's trying to feed the guy that you know one of the mm-hmm. guys that basically violated her and her mother you know she starts acting out and shaking the bed and like thrusting at it like you know like basically yeah you like that and like wow like that's so heavy but you know bless 
bless him and her for doing that because that's that's real that's honest you know in a film that's very much in some ways not like real life at all it, the other side of it is completely like real life it's it's fascinating yeah uh i wanted to say this before i forgot to bring it up um have you seen the movie knife plus heart no that is on my okay. like watch list though like i really want to see it i think the trailer looks amazing uh, i i love it it's basically like the best like modern giallo uh I, i've seen because other ones seen i want to talk about uh shit on things people like anyway um (laughs) no same i try i try to be a good girl about that uh one of the uh supporting characters in it is a is a cop with a weird face and the actor who played that cop is in this movie he's one of the the aunt's friends at the weird orgy he's a guy with the one eye is like part of his skull is sunken in Yes, I love that guy. Yeah, he's a knife plus heart. Uh, Holy shit! And, uh, oh, even more reason for me to see this. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he's also kind of playing a sleazy guy in that too, but not not to the, this level. But it was just shocking to be like, oh, I, I've seen that face before. That's that's a face you you do not forget. Oh man, no, I love that. I I think more films should try and cast interesting looking people. Uh, and um, that's always my problem with a lot of Hollywood product is that I'm like, God, all of these people look the same. They all look like they've been hatched out of the same, you know, J. Crew catalog. Give me, you know, give me the characters. And, and that's the thing. Shulowski's always great about putting really, you know, because even, even people that are classically like Sophie Marceau is obviously a very beautiful woman, but she's an interesting looking woman. You know, it's not it's not enough to just be a pretty face. You have to have something kind of internally textured and interesting about you yeah uh uh, man, uh what, what can i even say about this uh okay oh yeah wait another thing i wanted to bring up um before i forgot um with so you said you know a little bit of french uh, uh un petit oh, okay. <laughs> Very, very little, yeah. In the Kino uh, Blu-ray one that I have, um, on the English subtitles, uh, it would have the French word for street and the French word for train station for some reason, which was just a very odd choice, where it would be all English and then have the French word for street if they're talking about street. It's same with train station. Hmm. And it's just... uh, yeah, I, I don't know. That I don't really, I don't really understand that. If I've seen that, which uh, was it? Fascination, the Roland movie, in the mm, in the yes. um, uh, subtitles, it says Chateau when they talk about the castle in English subtitles, which is like, I don't mm. think that many people know Chateau means castle, but I don't know. I'm not really sure. It's just a strange thing I've, I've noticed with some French movies. Well, I'm actually glad you brought up the translation thing because I, I have a little note here um, about because this the you know the more Brock it's you know translate it's French it doesn't a clean translation like some words you know you kind of learn some foreign words uh, their English translation could mean variations of things because um, this film was released at one point as Mad Love which I do know enough French to know that's incorrect because Mad Love is Le Moi Fou. Um, but uh, so 
I've seen it referred to as limpet love, which hmm. limpet is not a super common word, but it tends to be associated with um, slugs, hmm. <laughs> like slugs and like you know, basically secretions, like things sticking sticking together uh which i guess fits because the you know this is google translate so you know uh i'll oh yeah your mileage may vary um has it translated as love sticks um but yeah that kind of makes me feel like that's probably uh you know we'll just call it lamar brock it sounds cooler anyways and it's the actual title but um so yeah now that's um translation can be a very sticky wicket just because of that i mean english is um i know i've always heard english is one of the hardest languages to learn because you know we're sort of the hodge hodgepodge language and there's also you know uh yeah, even though we have like we're sort of romance derived a little bit, but it's not nearly as like clean. Like if you know span, if you're mm -hmm. fluent in Spanish, you can kind of pick up some things in French yeah. or Italian because there's similarities. English doesn't quite. We have some things derived from that, but it's a little yeah, more. It's more German. Like well, struck. Uh, I'm also learning. I took German in high school, but I'm also relearning it now. But German is also um, like we we have the same grammar structure, more or less. Yeah, except except the whole gender. Yeah. So that's the thing that blew my mind starting to learn foreign languages when I was younger is that, you know, because I think even in German, you have like, what was it, der, die, and das? Yep. Neutral, masculine, and, feminine. Yeah, because it's like the table is like der Tisch, like the table is masculine. Yeah. You know, in and, English, we're, uh, not, uh, we're not like, that table's a dude. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and like uh, der Rock is skirt, so skirt is masculine. There's always like some really odd things in there. Yeah, it's it's fascinating though. I'm sure I'm sure the listeners are like, I love <laughs> giving you guys linguistic <laughs> lessons on top of talking about uh, Shilasi. Um Actually, on a totally different note, um, something that you mentioned earlier um, that I loved and I is yeah the music and yeah music really the music in this film's great and there's a great musicality even to like the language speaking of language and you know the way the scenes you know like everything's framed the composition's great and like researching this a little bit i found out something interesting um because there are three writing credits and of course the first one is dostoevsky because it's loosely based on the idiot the second is Zulowski, naturally uh, the third one uh, is a gentleman named Etienne Ada Rodegil, and my apologies if I'm mispronouncing that, um, who was actually way more famous as a lyricist. Like, this guy was a huge songwriter, mm. and his music was covered uh, by artists, um, a lot of artists that were very popular in France, like Francois de Hardy, uh, Vanessa Paradis, uh, who's in Knife and Heart, so... Oh yeah and uh i believe johnny holiday and interestingly enough one sophie marceau mm. uh sophie released an album the same year that lamore brock came out in 1985 called certitude and he wrote all the lyrics for that interesting i know i thought that was really fascinating i was like i haven't listened to it um according to discogs it's put in the category of chanson uh so just uh, that kind of small but kind of fascinating subgenre of French actresses doing their chanteuse thing, like Brigitte Bardot. <laughs> but yeah. uh, 
So, see, so yeah, I thought that was kind of some, some cool trivia. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, it was. Uh, you know, like, this is a case where I don't know if I can even talk about this movie in a smart way outside of like, uh, like, like, uh, like my, my uh, going back to my gut reaction. I remember I I stopped it maybe forty five minutes in just to take just to, like take a breath because it was just like this is too much I I I, I can't handle all all of this <laughs> all of this right now. <laughs> that's that's I mean I think that's a fair reaction. Um, it is yeah no it's I and I love movies like this that kind of make you be like wow there's just so much to digest and it's you know kind of i call it like the whole layer cake thing where some films like you know you feel like you're like wow there's there's so many layers to this and you rewatch it and you find a new layer and you watch it again a few months later and you're like wow and and i love i love artists like that it's why i love julowski it's why i love porterowski i love i love the men and women that are like that and uh, you know, with this film too, there's so many things. Because um, something you and I kind of touched upon before we start recording is, um, even though this was definitely obviously like a big studio release in France and you know, had a big budget, uh, which you can tell because it looks it looks amazing. It's a gorgeous looking movie. Um, like it doesn't seem to get talked about uh, as much as some of the other films, especially like say Possession and. Um, trying to do like a little bit of internet research on it. There's not a whole lot of articles about it either, and and I and that's something I rarely do because a little like insight. Usually, when I do, if I'm prepping for a podcast or if I'm writing an article about a movie, I I don't like to. I try not to read too many like other people's write ups of a film because I kind of want to be able to organically come mm-hmm. up with my own interpretation like i'm a little superstitious that way this was one this was the exception though because there were some things that happened in this movie that i was like hold up okay and i'm so glad we're doing this spencer Mm -hmm. we're this is so important to me because at one point leon his eyes turned yellow oh yeah i know and he like you know okay i'm like what is going (laughs) what's going his eyes are yellow he's barking like a dog he urinates on like one of mickey's like the guy the guy and mickey's gang that is amazing always like immaculately dressed <laughs> in like these glorious like technicolor silk suits yeah, and every time he's and... wearing a different color suit you see him <laughs> yeah oh my god he's great and um yeah, he has like, i would love uh, it he has my favorite oh no you go favorite line uh like in the movie which th- there are a lot of great lines when he's going through the video nasties uh towards the end and he says Fred Astaire yeah. and starts to dance and then he says Woody Allen who's that <laughs> I love oh my god I kind of clapped a little bit for that I it it tickled me I I loved it yeah that was that guy was great I feel like if there was an American version of this movie I would want him played by Wings Hauser for some reason but that might just be like my hmm. you know my urge to see Wings Hauser dressed in one of those suits because I think that would be just amazing um, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, Wings would definitely bring the crazy energy. Oh my god. God, he would have been so great in a Shulowski movie. Oh my god. Now that I'm thinking <laughs> about it, because he really can bring that just sort of manicness. Um but uh but no, but yeah, I mean to Leon, it's like he's part animal almost. Like he doesn't grow hair, he's not a werewolf or anything. But 
his eyes are yellow and nobody comments on it in the movie. Nobody, even when he pees on that guy's leg, the guy's just kind of like shrugs it off. Like, and I mean, that's an expensive suit. Like he handles that remarkably well. And I'm just like, what, what does this mean? Like, what was your take on that? Like, what what was your Um, take on him having these yellow eyes and these animalistic qualities? uh, uh, I guess like the, like the most basic one, which is like being a part of this, uh, of this gang in this world kind of brought out his like just his pure id and so now he's like not not, not like he's given up his humanity but like he's just he, he is just living life to the fullest doing what he feels like when he feels like doing it by, by that point because like he's just been exposed to this to these to the insane people for so long and like they have like infected him to some degree oh wow that's see that's very that's very cool that's very cool i can see that um and that makes sense too it's i mean kind of the beautiful thing about this universe that's created in this film is so much like it's 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 fascinating to see a film that's set in a very sort of gritty like you have like these two worlds with a very gritty kind of city um crime and then like this beautiful theater because you know leon has ties to this you know actress that's in you know that's in a play of Chekhov's the seagull and of course everything's interconnected because you know she's having an affair with one of the venoms but you know I don't want to spoil I you know even though the film's like yeah I mean it's it's from 85 so it's not like I'm spoiling something that came out last week but um, it's it's also the idiot so like you can just read like the (laughs) the basic uh, plot of the idiot and be like Okay, well, you know, it it be spoiled, but it's also like just how it's done in the movie. It's like kind of the big thing. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, and there, there are there are certain twists that um, just like wow, uh, it's it's so good, uh, and it definitely. I mean, even though like sort of the genre of uh, we'll call omorfu like crazy love, um, I definitely don't think you know even with films that end in tragedy like this one just it's sort of it's so surreal but it's so real and i feel like i hope i don't sound like a broken record it's just um you know it's uh it's it's definitely a treat to kind of watch it if you're if you're used to seeing things that are very traditionally structured like a very traditionally structured love story Uh, they're like in this movie there are there is no surrogate for the audience because even even Leon is like this wild character in his own right from the from the very beginning, and so like I, I think for the first maybe ten minutes or so he's kind of a like an audience surrogate, and then after that, like he's just kind of part of the gang and just thrown to his crazy world, and so like it's so it's uh, almost two hours of just this explosive like nonsense that 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 like Zlowski never really stops the like he well he slows down for like a very for like that one when they go into the country but besides that it's just this crazy ride where it's like he expects you to like pay attention or get off the ride <laughs> absolutely yeah no i love that yeah it's, it's uh Zulaki's, he's definitely like Zulaki is definitely one of the best ticket takers when it comes to the film experience for sure um 
Yeah. Now, it's funny with Leon, too, because his reactions, like, especially once he's in that world, in this world of Mickey and and Mary, um, like, his first, you know, it's like he gets the first taste of rejection and he throws, like, the hissiest, like, like, not even a hissy fit, just, like, he goes into these conniptions. Like, again, like, to me, like a little child, almost. It's sort of just, like, uncontrolled um mania and you know and and it's funny because in the other film you'd have people around him being like uh we're gonna have to have you committed or something (laughs) (laughs) so but again it's kind of almost like you're turning your insides out uh as a character and that's uh which i think is just kind of in some ways like almost everybody in this movie i mean uh, I mean, even the actress, when she realized, you know, he still loves Mary, like, she flips out. But we haven't really seen them, him and the actress, have a huge love affair or anything. You know, it's just, um... Was the actress together his for cousin? A little... That's in my notes, too. Because, honestly, I, I would... I can't tell. I... I thought that was his cousin. I'm like, maybe maybe Mary is meant to be there so you guys don't have some weird children <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah. But, uh... uh but I'd have to go back because I might have misunderstood that. Because, like you said, there is there's so much going on, and it happens like it's so fast. Even though the films, I mean, it's over two hours, you, it definitely doesn't feel it. No, I'm trying to think back to like the Kurosawa version of the idiot, and I don't think there's like even a romance with like the with the idiot's family. Like the like the idiot only has a romance with like the the main woman. There is no like other woman that like he, he that, like he's kind of competing with because like he is like younger cousin in the curse law one he has like younger cousins who are children but no one who's like his age so i think i think that could just be a zulowski um uh, addition just to make it like uh make it crazier yeah well in you know there's that whole scene where where mary and leon like he ends up like warming her feet and she's so touched because she realizes just like like she's like where did you come from or what where did mickey find you and because you know it's like wow this is a guy that you know is actually trying to like do something really simple to you know to make her more comfortable not not trying to get in her pants basically but she ends up seducing him and you know there's that whole weird scene where he says i'm bleeding and she says you're coming and and you're kind of sitting there like, whoa, like, what is that? <laughs> yeah, that's another, <laughs> and the whole... that's another part where you're like, who is this person? Yeah, yeah, it's sort of like he's that, you know. He's like, he's uh, uh, that innocent. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's, it's just like, it's just fascinating. And, you and you know, there's the there's a lot of, like, blood, um, like, bloody lips, and a lot of like saliva there's a very much like a bodily fluid thing going on in, in this movie i mean obviously you don't see any semen but you know it's alluded to yeah. and uh and it's just uh which it's funny because it adds sort of sort of just like you know it's almost just like i don't know if it's just sort of like everybody's just so split open as in their existence and you know and and it's like when you see somebody constantly kind of bleeding from the mouth, to me, you kind of think of like, are they going to be okay? Are they going to die? Like, is it, you know, what is, what is going on? I don't know. It's, it's a fascinating, it's certainly a fascinating approach. 
and I always keep track of this because you get so rarely in general. Uh, you get to see Leon fully, fully frontal nude, which I completely forgot. And it's like, oh yeah, like this movie really does go, like it goes for it in every sense of the, in every sense of the word. Yeah, which I respect because honestly, like I think if um, you know, so many movies, like tons of movies have female nudity, but very few have male nudity, and and of course, like you know, because you know our society is kind of like sort of, especially the MPA MPAA is very problematic. I hate using that word, but it's true with the MPAA, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where it's like you could have a film where there's just it's like boobs ahoy, and it's. It's like it gets an R rate. I mean, in the seventies, there were films that were PG that had boobs. Like you know, and there's nothing wrong with boobs. I'm not yeah. shaming the boobs, but uh, <laughs> but like, but the minute you have like a naked man, it's like, oh, that's obscene. And it's like it's the human body. Like Jesus, yeah. like calm down. Or, like, this is or or you get like the uh, the Mean Girl situation where uh, they had to cut down. I'm not sure if you see Mean Girls, but I'm, I'm a, a little bit younger than you. Uh, I, I'm I just turned thirty, so I'm pretty sure I'm a little bit younger than you, but um, uh, like that was like a kind of a big niche movie that I ended up seeing with like friends, and there's a scene where they talk about periods, yeah. and um, the MPA was not happy with a like this teen movie discussing like menstruation at all, and there and they were going to give an R rating just for talking about menstruation. Of course they did, and of course I remember being girls, but how? <laughs> I'm not that much older than you, I dude. Know, but like, like <laughs> I don't know if that's if that's your type of movie. I mean, I I haven't seen it mainly just because when it came out, I, everybody around me and this is gonna make me sound pretentious, but like, if there's something that everybody around me is watching and talking about, I'll just kind of wait on it. I'm not necessarily gonna have a shitty attitude and be like, oh fuck that, I'm not gonna watch that, but. Um, but I'm just kind of like, ah, oh, that's a movie that doesn't need me right now. Like, okay. I, I I, always have tended to kind of gravitate towards, um, I, and again, I'm not trying to sound pretentious. I mean, I, for Christ's sake, Blood Diner is one of my favorite movies, so I'm not pretentious, I hope. I, like, I want to try to uh, make it sound Ola. It's just like, that doesn't seem like your your type of movie. Right. No, no, it's it's all good. But I mean, and that's, but that's an excellent example of how ridiculous the MPAA, like, you know oh my god no that's let's all clutch our pearls we can show like you know buildings being blown up with the implication that you know hundreds of people are have lost their lives and that's totally fine but oh my god girls talking about their periods which you know that's god that's depressing do they did they think women need to go back in huts or something we need to <laughs> go back in the little <laughs> menstruation huts because they're unclean um so yeah yeah screw the mpaa Every, yeah everybody listening to this forget the mpaa and celebrate great artists that don't that have the the, the stones to make the art that they wanted to like andre zulowski yeah or Andre Zulowski. I'm sure, like, he's going to haunt me now because I mispronounced his first name. I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so a thing I've noticed, because I just did the possession one, uh, there's a lot of talk about religion. And from what I understand, he was an atheist, but he did talk about religion a lot in his movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, it definitely comes up. Which I feel like, I guess it's more like a philosophical maybe like it's more from like philosophical point of view or something like discussing like 
like morality so he would use like religion as a way to like talk about morality possibly not morality uh I don't know, because, like, there's this whole thing in this one of, um, in Mad, in Mad Love about, uh, like, doubting God and having, like, having, like, faith in God to some degree, which, I, I don't know, but I'm not really sure. I'm not sure where I'm going with it. No, no, I mean, no, that's fair, because it's kind of, no, it is in the film, but it doesn't... It feels like it's certainly part of the landscape, but maybe not part of the main sort of thoroughfare in it. But, I mean, that's the thing. You have, you certainly have implication of, I mean, granted, it could be just like a dream sequence. You know, it's, nothing's ever really quite made clear, um, which I like there. Because that makes, you know, it's made, yeah. he's making you work for it a little bit. And that's, that's healthy. Uh, but there's almost kind of an implication of an afterlife. For sure, which if there's afterlife, that would certainly kind of seem to mean that there's an existence of of some kind of God, of some kind of, you know, bigger force than us out there. Um, but it's not quite made clean. Uh, but again, I respect that because honestly, I mean, it's like love isn't clean in this movie, but, you know, love, anything we as a species are tied to isn't clean. And, and religion is certainly <laughs> is certainly not clean in in human history and current history for sure yeah uh, i found a note referring to uh, uh, a, a specific moment there's a part i think towards the middle where uh chucky carry out um his characters like asked leon do you have religion and leon looks in the sky and says and screams no there's moments like that where it's like I'm not sure what religion is playing here, or maybe it's just because I know a thing in um uh do I always say a name wrong Dostoevsky. Mm-hmm. Like he seems to be real obsessed with religion in his uh in his books and stuff. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I would speak more on that, but I am I will be the first to admit I am hella rusty on <laughs> all my Russian lit though I do I do love it and I definitely plan on revisiting um uh, a lot of it and reading stuff yeah because I need to read the idea and actually even though I've read some Chekhov I haven't read the seagull either so yeah um, um what's classic literature I'm pretty uh I haven't really read any of it I tried reading Brothers Karmazov 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 the brothers Karamazov. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I got a third into it, and then like I just can't. I just can't with Dostoevsky. This is too dense for me. It's so it's this dry and long. I don't, and it's hard to focus. Oh God! Well, stay the hell away from Tolstoy, man. That's my my best. <laughs> <laughs> I know there are people that love Tolstoy. I like if if um. Which, with Dostoevsky, now I can see it, it, his work can be very dense. Um, Crime and Punishment's probably the better, maybe, entry-level book. Mm. Or maybe, I'm going to find out it's the idiot now that I'm saying that. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no. Um, also, like, some of the smaller, I shouldn't say smaller, but some of the guys, because everybody kind of talks about Tolstoy, Dostoevsky, um, which I can't. I can't with Tolstoy. It's not my cup of tea. Not my, uh, I say, niet to this whole story but uh but no like there's uh Lerman, uh 
I'm gonna, now I'm going to butcher his name, Ler, uh, Lermanov, Lermanikov, uh, with The Hero of Our Times. And that's a, sh that's a fairly short book, too. I think, you know, the problems is, like, with Russian literature, it's sometimes, like, people, the ones like, oh, start with this book, and the book's bigger than the Bible. <laughs> so, yeah, that's going to be kind of intimidating yeah. to enter that world, you know. But um, there's so much, so much great stuff out there. Uh, Gogol, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bulgakov, that's more Soviet era. But Bulgakov is absolutely my favorite. But, uh, but that's neither here nor there, because yeah. Zulotsky did not. Oh, God. Like, if Zulotsky adopted the Master of Margarita, which is literally a story about where Satan visits uh, the Soviet Union, hmm. and it was, like, hidden. Like, the only reason we have that book is his wife had to hide the papers in, like, a crock, like a crock pot or some kind of cookery uh, so the government wouldn't find it. Like um which is chilling god you know it's uh what what artists had to go through yeah back then was, was pretty heinous um and what's Julowski? like that's the thing you notice there's like uh there's always like people playing various types of artists in his film like in possession of johnny's a dance instructor you know here we have like the, the whole the the actresses like both both his lover and her mother who's like this failed actress um yeah, who ends up having a baby, like a late in life baby from this completely insane gigolo. Oh yeah. Like I I forgot the baby that guy, was even in the movie. That guy, I was so fascinated by that guy cuz that and I can't I cannot remember his name. Uh cause he's a smaller character, but whenever he shows up, he is off the chain like everybody around him seems subdued and that is saying something for this movie because he's like well like when the cop has him in the police car and the guy's literally licking the cop's ear and like kind of chewing on it like <laughs> and, he's just, and then he just starts like cackling i mean it's it's so glorious i mean this is you know it's it's gonna it's hard to go back to watching like you know I can't imagine trying to watch something like that's playing in a multiplex right now in any sort of like mid-American town after sitting through Lamar Brock, you know, it's mm -hmm. kind of like you enter back into your own kind of beige world and it's just like, holy shit. You know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what if I just been through? <laughs> you know, like the moment, like I realized I love this movie was, uh, it's like maybe 20 or 30 minutes in when they're after the holdup of Marie's family and they go to that restaurant or nightclub and just in the background the the older guy in the gang with the balding hair that who kind of looked like Raul Julia is just Yes, dancing. that guy it's is a, my favorite it's just by the way. Sorry. his heart out on the dance floor. Yes. And it's like and no one's paying attention to it. It's just a part of the world and it's like man, this movie is incredible. Just just having this insane scene he's just dancing so hard in the background for no one but himself <laughs> i love him like i legit if if i like if you looked at my notebook and there's literally a sign that says mustache guy with the best shoes in the world i love him like that guy he was so magnificent and and he really did have the best shoes if you go back and watch it that guy had some styling shoes that uh, I would totally love to find the the female, or you know, doesn't have not everything has to be gendered, but you know, a, a more feminine equivalent, I guess. But uh, 
that yeah no and you and, and that's the thing you're right like there there's so many little moments in this film that just make it you know make everything so kinetic like you know i find even films a lot of films i love most things will have like a, a part of the film that kind of slows down a little bit like to kind of give the audience a little bit of a breather before you get to the the inevitable climax or you know whatever and in this film there, there's no I don't think there's a lot of breathing room, but that's not a bad thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's something that makes it so special because it's, you know, I mean, you especially think the guts it took for Zulowski to make his movies, to make films like this and possession on, cause this isn't, you know, at that point he's not making these films for little budgets, you know, uh, on a super DIY level. Like these are big budgeted studio films. Like, can you imagine a guy like Zulowski, mm. especially in America, uh, I guess, like, working for any big studio like nowadays? George Miller I, I, with, I with Fury Road. That's the only example I can really think of. Like, oh, a madman. That film was amazing. <laughs> yeah, but we don't get. I love that movie. There, but there aren't enough like George Millers in the world anymore, which is kind of upsetting. Yeah, I mean, I think I always think that you know we always have you know great artists out there it's just the you know will they get the opportunity to kind of do things on a bigger level and that's always the thing i kind of hope for um yeah and and would like to see because i I definitely you know i'd hate to think of a world where we didn't have guys you know and and you know that are the equivalent to these these just complete you know people some may call them madmen i just call them brave these are yeah, these are the truth seekers, the vision makers that we need in this world. And, uh, yeah, and God bless Andre Zulowski. This, um, and Sophie Marceau, like, man, it's crazy. I mean, how wonderful is it that she, you know, I mean, a lot of people probably know her for being in that James Bond movie. <laughs> uh, I was going to say Braveheart. <laughs> That's all, like, her other big oh, movie. Bra- yeah, now, my husband mentioned that because he's seen, I actually have never seen Braveheart. Uh, um, you're not missing much. <laughs> I kind of figured. I was the, like, yeah, I'm good. You can watch like a YouTube <laughs> compilation of the violence. The violence is incredible. The other stuff is just like, oh, this is just a precursor for Passion of the Christ in so many ways. Yeah, that's a <laughs> that's gonna be a hard pass uh, <laughs> for me on that for both of them certainly. Um, but uh, no, uh, actually, on a total, if you don't mind me going on a little side note here, um, I think something that might kind of interest, um, especially those of us, you know, uh, like ourselves that love both sort of like both, both the art house and the grind house and all that, the company, uh, the production company that released Lamar Brock, uh, Sarah Films, like, like released it theatrically, uh, also released uh, Paul Morrissey's Mixed Blood. Hmm. Uh, which is kind of a lesser-known Paul Morrissey film, but I thought that was cool. Uh, Barabchek's Love Rights, which I love. I love Barabchek. Uh, and Jean-Luc Godard's highly controversial Hail Mary, which came out the same year that uh, Lamar Brock did. Oh, is that his political era that no one really talks about? Uh, probably, yeah. No, Hail Mary was, uh, I want to say... It was like banned by the Catholic Church, which God, I mean, ha- what hasn't been banned by the Catholic uh, Church? <laughs> but yeah. like, uh, uh, but it's crazy. It's kind of crazy to think of a, of you know, a film, you know, of a Godard film it made in the eighties, kind of having that much. Of course, this is the same decade that you know people were picketing uh, Last Temptation of Christ. So I guess I shouldn't be that surprised. Yeah. It was a very, yeah, you know, 
that maybe that's what we need. We need we need an auteur to make a really controversial film about religion because well, things are kind of getting like, more conservative in our country again. Like, so. like Benedetta. Ben, like Benedetta, yeah, perfect. Benedetta. See, I, I, Benedetta, yeah. But I want something. I mean, bring that to the Midwest. Bring that to the South. Because like you know, the thing is like Benedetta is not going to play in Arkansas. Yeah, I'm. Or, I'm, a, uh, you know. I'm in Delaware. That's not going to play here. I know that for a fact. Yeah. See, for people like us, like that's because I mean, I actually remember like being a little kid and hearing on news about people picketing last temptation of christ in arkansas like that movie played arkansas mm. which is nuts it's also really depressing because of course all the people that picketed didn't even see it um wait i might be wrong there, movie... there is a a tiny tiny art house theater uh that has it's that it's like a 12 seat one room that might play it but they cater to mostly all the white people so i don't know if it they will play it or not uh old white people that's like i've been there a few times and it's I, i'm like i'm the youngest person there by like 40 years oh man that's <laughs> that's yeah they probably they probably need to broaden their their demographic a little bit there that's <laughs> uh, well it's kind of hard here to to do that with the uh, movie theaters no, I've, yeah no, i feel you uh but no, I just thought that was thought that was kind of cool. I kind yeah. of love like the idea of a, of a company handling such, you know, such filmmakers like Godard and Julowski and Morrissey and Barabchak. Yeah, I think they also released a manual five. It's either four or five, but um, so yeah. definitely kind of all all sorts of the spectrum. Yeah, uh, go talking about Godard. This is the era when he did the King Lear adaptation that. I've been wanting to watch, but I hear... I'm not a big Godard fan, but I hear from people who love Godard, if you're not really into him, don't really bother with the later stuff in general. But the uh, King Lear one has, like, Molly Ringwald and Woody Allen and Burgess Meredith, so I'm just like, I kind of want to see what this is. I'm really curious. God, what what was it with Molly Ringwald being in these sort of, like, art house... Shakespeare, yeah, because she was in that version of The Tempest that had Susan Sarandon and John Cassavetes. Oh wow! And I want to say Raul Julia. Like speaking of Raul Julia, hmm. the great late Raul Julia, and I, for my memory of it, I haven't seen it in years. It's okay. It's not great. If you're going to watch a version of The Tempest, go for uh, Derek Jarman. But um, but it's I mean, but it's interesting that it exists, certainly. And plus, I mean, I always love seeing John Cassavetes and Raul Julian anything. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, going back to like the why isn't this so uh, why why isn't this as famous? Um, uh, Lamar Brock, because like Chuck and Carrie was in GoldenEye and Bad Boys and a couple other like big Hollywood movies. Uh, actually, The Patriot with um, uh, uh, Mel Gibson. <laughs> So like he, he so he has been so Hollywood is not you know like Americans would recognize him like if this oh yeah, yeah. well so like I'm yeah so like this is a thing of like having like the the Braveheart and actually two Bond people Braveheart the uh, the Patriot you know uh, bad boys like that should be enough cachet for this to be a more famous movie. Yeah, well, and also, wasn't he in La Femme Nikita? Uh, I thought this look as had his thing up on here. I think he was. 
which I know is a French film, but I mean, it was it was huge enough to inspire both a Hollywood remake and um, like even had there was like that TV sh- series on USA. Yeah, he was. He was in that. Man, yeah, everybody should put him in this movie and their movies because he's God. He's so great. I mean, and I like that's not to take anything away uh, from Francis uh, Houston, who's Leon. Like he's great, and he's certainly given it his all, you know, uh, for sure. But um, but I don't know. There's something about Checky here. Like he's <laughs> he's just so um, he's so magnetic, and he's able to do just like. To have little kind of more subtle moments too amidst the, the more chaotic moments where he's again like you know like somersaulting and yeah you know, he has a being completely uh, he has a real Belmondo vibe to him of like like hunky dumb guy but like there's more <laughs> to it although like he comes off smarter than Belmondo not an insult to Belmondo who rest in peace but like him and like the action movies and like the Godard stuff like he never like comes off as smart he's like, kind of like you know smart enough but uh, but like you know, he he, he coasts off his looks but like he's also like a good actor right oh yeah no he's and I, I was ha- very happy to see kind of looking up stuff for this this podcast that he's still very much active um which is awesome because guys he's he's wonderful and uh and yeah, man, this this film, like, this is so cool. Thank you so much for like having me on to talk about it. Oh yeah, you're welcome. So, um, uh, this is on Kino Blu-ray. I'm sure, I'm sure there's like a Region Two release, but like the Kino one is the easiest one to get in in America. And uh, if you're listening to this and you don't and you don't have it already, you should uh, get it so they know people want to see more Zulowski. I cause hope because I was shocked that this even got a you know a release over here because usually there was a big box set years ago but it was like only Europe and or and like the other, yeah. and if and if you like live in New York City or L A or like uh, Chicago or something you can see see these movies on the big screen sometimes but if you're not in those cities then. You kind of have to go illegally or spend a bunch of money on a region two thing that, you know, so is this, uh, so like this, like support this opportunity while you, while it's available. So they know, you know, people are interested. Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, to quote Bobby Fleshman from, uh, this is final tap money talks and bullshit walks. So support, definitely support these companies and these releases because you know that's the thing if these you know everything feeds into each other i mean we live in a capitalist society it is what it is but you know you're supporting independent companies and great art and if this does really well then that will definitely open up the avenues for other you know other releases like this to to get out and this is definitely the most affordable because i know like uh some of his films including this one at one point was released years ago by mondo vision and those releases look gorgeous but very not cheap and kind of like you said it's like the whole you know you have to go on ebay and then be like okay do i do i pay a utility bill this month or do i is is it worth is it uh, worth the 50 dollars plus 15 uh shipping 
Exactly. Yeah. I mean, with some of these films, 50, if you're lucky, like it can, it can definitely go up, but so definitely support these companies and we're not, and by the way, we're not getting kickbacks. Yeah. Are we Spencer? This Uh, is just us speaking from the heart. Um, I mean, if anybody wants to give us some money, (laughs) (laughs) we're not opposed, but, uh, but no, seriously, it is, you know, yeah, let's just all, Support support great art because you know this is a lot of lot of big budget stuff gets gets a lot of love. It's gonna be fine. Let's you know we got to look out for you know the stuff that is more esoteric and take care of it. Yes. Okay. So this is eighty five. Um, what did you pick for recommendations for eighty five? Okay. Um, this eighty five. Um, was a very good year for some forms. I have to admit, uh, the only book I could find uh, actively that I've, I've read in any sort of recent times from 85, and I'm only, I'm actively reading it too. Like I'm not even finished with it as Brad Easton Ellis's Less Than Zero. Um, but as far as film and music goes, uh, for me, movies, like 85 was an absolute banging year. Uh, for cinema, especially horror cinema, um, with some of my favorites being uh, Toby Hooper's Life Force, uh, Fright Night, uh, Day of the Dead, Howling 2, which I know some people don't like that movie, but... Oh, that's the Christopher uh, Lee one. I'm not li- yes, but I'm not living for them. I'm living for me and this amazing movie by Philippe Mora, who also gave us Mad Dog Morgan, which is an incredible movie. Uh I love the Howling too. Demons, Silver Bullet, Reanimator, Return of the Living Dead. Also, it's not a horror movie, but To Live and Die in L.A. also came out in 85, and that is uh, one of my favorite movies. And, of course, Clue. Cause, come on, it's Tim Curry, and it's Clue, and it's good. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, I had a couple things picked up. I wanted to double-check if I missed an African movie, because I, I try to mention... African movies and books uh, when the opportunity shows up. Oh, right on. But, uh, yeah, there's no African movie from this year that I can think of offhand, but uh, a couple years later, I think a seven or a eight, there's um, Yileen, or Brightness. It's from, I want to say Burkina Faso, or Mali, forgot which one. And it's like, that's, it's famous because Scorsese kind of rescued it from obscurity from obscurity and there's a cheap dvd from kino actually uh of yeelin y-e-e-l-e-n uh it's great uh, also warning there's like a uh a I believe a chicken is killed on screen as part of like a religious ceremony thing so mm-hmm. it, it's not it's not the worst i've seen much worse i've seen tukibuki so i i can handle it <laughs> Oh man. Um also I didn't know is it okay for me doing music recommendations? Yeah, recommend whatever, doesn't really matter. Oh, excellent. Well, um I picked uh four very near and dear albums to my heart uh from this year. Uh the first one being First and Last and Always by the Sisters of Mercy, which was their first uh uh LP and it is a, it's a classic. I love the Sisters of Mercy. Um 
so much. I love everything they've done, but this this album uh, for a lot of fans is their favorite, um, and I can see why because it's amazing. Uh, there's also Gene Loves Jezebel's Immigrant, which is a really underrated album. Um, the Chameleons, uh, What Does Anything Mean? Which the Chameleons are one of the bands that have certainly gotten me through some very kind of like darker mental mental health kind of periods. So um, just love them, and The Replacements, Tim, which is just a killer, killer Matt's album. So I highly recommend all of those. All right. All right. And so for my actual 85 movies, okay. One is, um, it's well known. I'm a huge Sean Borman fan. Uh, I think Borman is the best. Uh, he's another like, um, like, uh, like truth seeker, as you would describe just like, uh, basically from the late sixties to, to, uh, the mid 80s he was just going for it in every possible way so you get stuff like zardoz and like point blank early on and then this year is the emerald forest which is like on paper like it, the, the plot sounds like borderline like ha- like not to use a, uh, a a word i don't like as much problematic it, it has a has a vibe it sounds like it but it it's so much more complex and sympathetic and just strange. And also, it I have to also like uh, bring up because it has Meg Foster in it. And Meg Foster, I genuinely love. I love her terrifying eyes. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So like, uh, John. Bo- uh, basically, any chance to bring up Borman, I will take. Um, and the other one is... Have you seen Emerald Forest? You know, I haven't. And oh. I, I, too, am, am a fan of his. And, of course, Meg Foster. She's in actually one of my favorite um, uh, films about cannibalism, which is Welcome to Arrow Beach, which is hmm. kind of an early, very early role for her. But it's it's an excellent film. And she's consistently great. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. It, I think it was like she was in the pilot for Cagney and Lacey, but then the producers thought she was too masculine, so they recast her. There's some weird bullshit <laughs> attached to it. What? Yeah. I mean, how? Okay. I'm. I'm sorry. Hold up. I and Sharon Gless and Ty Daly are great, so I am not at all throwing shade on those girls. But how are they more feminine than Meg Foss? I don't <laughs> get. That makes no sense. There's some That's like, weird reason that was given that I heard. Like why? Why they? why they fired her from the pilot uh or it's some real nonsense of like you you couldn't handle her her terrifying eyes i think that was it (laughs) yeah yeah they instead of betty davis eyes kim karn should have sung about you've got meg foster eyes she's pure as new york snow she got betty davis eyes Yeah. And my other one is a movie I never really heard about until uh, like four or five years ago, maybe. Because uh, I've, I've talked to some people about terrifying children films. And I grew up loving Wizard of Oz. I never knew there was a sequel in the 80s that was terrifying and weird. 
and I saw it this year at Return to Oz, and man, that movie's awesome. I love the Wheelers. Oh. They are so creepy and off-putting, but in the best way. Oh my god, that that movie is such a dark little gem, and yeah, no, I'm so glad you got to see. I see. I love it when people get to see, like, because I remember seeing that film first when I was little, and you know, being a child of the '80s, and it, I like, I loved it, and it totally, yeah, I mean, it messed with me. Now, I thought, I granted, I thought the Wiz was creepier than. Hmm. Return to Oz because I don't know if it was like Nipsey Russell's crying or what like his weird I don't know I love Nipsey Russell but just not in the you know the Wiz the Wiz has some issues as a film but uh, <laughs> but Return to Oz it's so it's one of those films it's even when it's really kind of dark and scary it's so beautiful and it, it's you know it really captures that world so well and i mean Faruza balk is just i mean she's she's incredible and just you know between her being in that and like the worst witch which is one of my favorite like halloween movies as a kid uh just i've always i've always loved her she's you know she's super cool yeah uh uh, I don't know. It's kind of old news. Like, although I don't, I can't tell if people actually like Return to Oz or if they're being ironic about it. Half the, I know some people love it, but some people I can't I can't tell if you're talking about if they're if it's like a so bad it's good way or it's like oh, if they're being honest about it because I think it's awesome. No, it is awesome. And, I can't imagine anybody like being like so bad it's. I mean, this isn't the room. I yeah. mean, Return to Oz is a really, it's a really well made movie, and it it certainly captures you know, I think sort of you know from what I'm to gather like the darker elements of the the text material, um, yeah, more so than the Wizard of Oz. Granted, I know pe- a lot of people were scared by those flying monkeys. I thought they were personally kind of rad. But I was also, like, I grew up as a monster kid, too. So, I mean, mm. you know, ev- everybody's going to have different yeah. different triggers, yeah. I guess. As a kid, I thought the monkeys were cool. And I love the trees thrown at apples, which apparently was terrifying to my friends. But I thought the trees were just super cool <laughs> in the original. Oh, that's because you're right. They were super cool. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, no. no those, are, those are wonderful picks. Are, are there, uh, I hope I haven't talked over you too much about your picks or anything it's, it's fine yeah uh this will come out new year's day or new year's eve uh depends when i when i get to it and when i feel like uh uh after uh editing it so uh yes yeah, so um do you have anything coming up early next year uh you can promote uh yeah um I'll always uh, most of the bigger things I'm working on I can't really discuss not to sound like some super secret agent or anything <laughs> but um but you can always uh keep up with me and what I'm working on currently at my website mondoheather.com I've also started a Patreon uh where you can get all kinds of cool sneak peeks on stuff I'm working on some exclusive content uh I've recently uh did an article on uh the 1960s uh sexploitation uh film Satan's Bed which features a pre-Beatles Yoko Ono uh for everybody watching Get Back out there uh as well as uh yeah articles on proto hip hop and rap and punk and just all kinds of cool things so um so for you guys you can also find me on twitter and instagram under mondo heather 
All right. Uh, thank you for uh, coming on. And you have a free invitation to come back whenever you feel like it. Oh, thank you so much, Spencer. This was a pleasure. Oh, yeah. Uh, did I have any come up? I, I don't remember. I might just tag it tag it in later. Uh, yes, yeah, so there might be a second half where I talk to Joel, or there might not. Uh, I'm not sure yet. But, uh, yeah, if not, then a happy new year, and hopefully 2022 is better than 2021. Stop recording now. The show can be found on Twitter at PianoPlayerPod. Our email is still highlowpod at gmail.com. You can find a show on Spotify, Podbean, and various other places where you can find podcasts. Our intro music is by Vivian Fop, and our cover art is by Sarah Roberts. You can find her art, sarahkathleenroberts.com. And thank you for listening. And